This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's Friday, baby. Love a good Friday, Wolf. Love a good Friday. Sipping some coffee, hanging out in the locker room. No better place to be. You know, that voice isn't quite as deep as my normal partner, my compadre. I didn't you know, do a good Max, Max impersonation there. No. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't quite drop it down enough <laughs> to that baritone. I'm a little higher. <laughs> this would be Ninja Tom sitting in for Max. Of course, I'm sitting in for myself, uh, you know, which is always an easy thing to do. Yes, <laughs> the, the bar is not real high there. <laughs> but anyhow, I thank you so much, Ninja Tom, for joining me here of in the course. locker room. It's always a pleasure. And the number is four one two nine one nine one three one six. You know, did you ever hear that one song? Um, uh, who is it? Uh, the Sound of Silence. Yes. Okay. Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Did you know it gets quieter after a, sto- a snowstorm? Really? Yeah. Now, factoids. You know, we got to talk factoids okay. here. I guess that would make sense. You know, snow softens the blow of the reverb from the echoes of the sound. See, I don't know. this is a guy. I'm a scientist. Spent, yeah. You, you, you produce shows. You understand acoustimization. I there. paid attention in eighth grade science, Wolf. That's right. <laughs> you, you paid attention in school. Unlike me. <laughs> what a loser, right? <laughs> you got a lot for. I couldn't bash people's heads in like you, Wolf. I had to pay attention. <laughs> my, see, my the only thing I realized. As I was playing high school, uh, you know, sports, my giftedness lay in the fact I couldn't hit anything smaller than a person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't hit baseball. I was terrible. But a person, bam, you could tee off on them all day <laughs> when, long. When I was in baseball, it was like towards the end of the game and the, the weather's coming in bad, right? So, so they gotta, they, we got to we gotta get like seven innings to make out, a count yeah. or something like that. So my coach put me in because he knew it would strike. Just stand there for three straight. <laughs> No, he said swing away. It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's how bad I was. There's no chance you're making contact, Wolfley, so just get out there. Just, just go do what End you do. End the game man. as fast as possible. Just go do what you do. That'll be good enough. Nice breeze over there in the dugout. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I just bring up these memories. But anyhow, um, all right, get back to the snow, because this I thought this was interesting, because ice reflects sound. Snow absorbs sound. Uh. They say that two inches, uh, if you get at least two inches, that it will absorb about 60% of the sound. So just like insulation in our homes, you know, reduces sound, so does snow. I so didn't know that. Snow. I didn't know that either. It's awfully quiet out there the past couple of days, though. If two inches takes away 60% of snow, we got, what, like eight or nine inches these past uh, yeah. couple of days? Yeah. So it's, it's, you could hear a pin drop outside anytime you're walking. Exactly. It's deadly quiet. So do you think like Simon and Garfunkel were sitting outside? It was you know? snowy. It's snowing. It was a going, snowy day. Wow, like silence, man. <laughs> I think that's exactly the quote that Paul Simon had. It was exactly oh, silence, right. man. And Garfunkel right. was like, "That's a song, man. That's right. a song." Well, we lost another great one, by the way. Since we're talking about music, yeah, music. You know, we lost uh, Meatloaf, mm. who of course uh, had the uh, bat out of he double hockey sticks. <laughs> Great, great, great musician. You know what? Uh, Paradise I didn't know. by the Dashboard yeah. Light, oh, one of the best songs It was tremendous. Ever made. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, that when I was in high school, that was the big album. I think it was high oh, school, yeah. college, somewhere in there in the late 70s. Um, the guy was, you know, he was, he was, he was the, the round mound of sound. 
you know, if you if, if you remember, they used to call Chuck Barkley, Chuck Barkley. the round mound yeah. of rebound. Well, he was the round mound of sound <laughs> because you know he was that was a big guy, long flowing hair too, right? With the shirt open, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. He was a real showman, not just a he great was. Musician. He was, you know, it was tremendous. You watch some of his old videos and oh, stuff hilarious. like that. Oh, yeah. he's he's just his, his name was Marvin. Lee Aubrey or something like that. Got to change that to Meatloaf. If yeah, you, exactly. You, you can't be a rock star with the name Marvin. I love. Somebody <laughs> once said he signed. They signed his. Uh, his he signed an autograph for him. They signed it as M Loaf. <laughs> Just M Loaf. Okay. E A T. I don't have enough time for that. <laughs> Just don't have enough time for that. You know. But anyhow. So now that I've 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 also. Talk to you about the, you know the songs and singing and the sound and the of silence. Of snow, yes. Exactly, and, and acoustically all those things. Shall we get down to a little Steelers Let's business? Let's get down to some Steelers business. Yeah. You know this is the wrap. Things up. won't be time. so silent in this off season. No, you're It'll exactly right. It'll be a loud right. off season in Pittsburgh. You know that's very true. You know there's a lot of uh, conversation oh, yes. going on on the South Side. You know what is going on and what they're going to do and the plans are going to be made. And I was just kind of perusing to myself, and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm the Colbert, right, and I'm, I'm sitting there with Mike Tomlin and we're like, uh, we're, we're kind of starting to discuss things and come along with it. The, the overriding question for me, obviously, has got to be, uh, it's got to be about the quarterback. Of course. And it's deciding, and I'm, I'm sure this is going to be deciding once and for all, are you going to just let the two, Haskins and, and Mason, are they going to battle it out and we're going to go that route? You going to bring in a free agent to add to that uh, trifecta of guys and have a battle, or are you going to go with the draft and uh, do that, or could it be all the above, which I to me would be madness. But um, to me, it's I, you've got to make this decision because asking, trying to ask Mason or Dwayne Haskins do what Ben did, I oh, think is. It's wrong, you know. It's it's, just, it's wrong no. to ask any quarterback to do it, Ben. Unless yeah. you're going to bring in Rodgers or Wilson, which you are not, in no. my opinion. It's impossible. Or Kirk to- Cousins at thirty-five million. Are you serious? Yeah, that's way too much money. But I like with a Wilson and a Rodgers, you could at least be like, "Hey, you two are on your way to the Hall of Fame as well as Ben was." So you can do what Ben did. You can kind of come in and be the Ben. But anybody else, Kirk Cousins, hell no. He doesn't know no. what it's like to be that kind of a leader, that kind of a quarterback. So. It's really, really nerve-wracking. Tomlin even said in his press conference on Tuesday it was uneasy for him getting into yes. this offseason for the first I time in his career quote. without a quarterback. I love that quote by him, though. He said, you know, it makes you uneasy, but I love I run to that challenge. And this yeah. is what I love about Mike. And I know that a lot of people, well, hey, listen, regardless, this guy wears leadership like water wears wet. All right? <laughs> I mean, he is – that. that's – I mean, that's what he does, and – I love just the way he leads from the front, and he doesn't. He does not back away yes. from the failures. You know, you've got to you own up to him. Well, he owns up to him. And and the fact of the matter is, when I look at this, you got to decide what kind of offense can we run with whoever. You know, and you got to have contingency plans. Is it going to be Dwayne and Mason? All right. Is it going to be Mason Dwayne? Whatever. You know, but you've got to be able to come to some sort of understanding. And the fact is. Najee's got to be at the center of that. Oh, yes. There's no question offense about it. Offense has to run through him. Exactly. But when I watch the kind of offense and I see, you know, the – let me let me ask you. You know, when you look around you see these, uh, you know, up-tempo offenses and, you know, it's the latest, greatest thing and everything else, does Najee look like a back that is a scat back like that or does Najee remind you of a guy – that there's a lot of power running possibilities. He reminds me of a guy that we're going to see on Saturday in Tennessee, Derrick Henry. Yeah. Not to that extent. He's not as right. beefy as Henry is. No, no one is. 
but he's that kind of running back. He's the old school throwback. I'm going to run between the tackles. If I need to get outside, I've got the speed to do that, but I crave contact. I'm not a scheme me open kind of guy, zone run scheme like in San Francisco kind of guy. I'm an old school throwback back. That's I, what I see not. I like as. your thinking. Yeah. All right. So, well, he just, he just, that's the way he plays. Right. That's what I, okay. That's kind of, you're plagiarizing my thoughts here. I'm sorry to get in your head like that. You're just, you're just too good. That's the problem. <laughs> so the point, I, I look at it and I go, all right, so this guy looks like he's a downhill leaner. Yes. All right, he's like he's one of those guys just like you said. So how do you design that offense? Well, it starts with, of course, coming back to the offensive line and making sure you're going to have to deal with these. But the, that's getting into the, the, the deep grass. And what I'm thinking to myself is just as an overview, you've got to first of all decide all right, who and how you're going to do your 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 quarterback derby. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's going to be, to me, that's the biggest thing. Then oh. you can move along and have your offensive philosophy, and it's going to be the same thing defensively as you flip it over in a sense. But you've got to start from the root, okay? And the root was Stefan it, Tyson Alu, Alu Alu, and you've got to come to some sort of determination with those two. And Tyson – from what I've heard from Tyson, Tyson's like, hey, let's go. Let's go, baby. Yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm excited to hear what I heard about Tyson. Yeah, Tyson Alualu, I think, is somebody that they absolutely have no choice but to to bring back and use. Uh, he's not a free agent, so it's not like you have to really pay him, but he's someone you can't afford to to be without. His injury, they knew to it was going to at least be out for an early part of the season, and then, of course, it snowballed into being the whole season. Uh, but they knew they were going to be without him for a significant amount of time. That rush defense, I think, went way downhill when Alu Alu had to take his absence or take himself out of the lineup due to injury, and he was just never able to come back. I, I think that was a huge, huge hindrance to the defense. I think their D-line depth is very thin to begin with, so you take out to it, and then you take out Alu Alu. I mean, you're left with Cam. It was really uphill battle all year long anyway, and it, it – sh- it's surprising because it's the Steelers that they finished last as far as rushing yards allowed per game is concerned. Right. But when you're paying attention, it's really not that surprising. When you're down to your fourth and fifth string guys opposite of your first team all pro Cam Hayward on that defensive line. So yeah, I think You know, all, we gotta start saying always say all pro Cam Hayward. All pro Cam Hayward. I think we always speak in terms all of All Pro like Cam that. Hayward. I'm 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 down with that moving forward. But I agree that you got you got to figure out the quarterback first, whether that's you keep it internal, Mason and Dwayne, you go out and get somebody, get that box checked off. And then I think that next box is, what do you do with Alu-Alu? What do you do with Tuit? What do we do with the defensive line? If we're not drafting a quarterback in the first round, do we take our first round pick on a defensive lineman? Because both trenches have their problems, but I, that defensive line, other than all pro cam, they definitely have some work to do depth-wise there. There's no question about it. Again, it's going to start defensively speaking. You've got to decide, all right, what's up with Butsy? You know, I mean, until you're able Very to decide true. that, that's, that's going to be the, the first right thing. Yeah. you got to decide that. Then you're going to be able to establish your defensive coordinator. Right. Uh, then you start to have and formulate that philosophy that you want. Um, I, 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 the one thing about it is is you, you don't need to, to toss everything. Think about it. Just a year ago, the Steelers were what third in the league in run defense. Yeah, the top, yeah. I mean, they're top five. Oh, they. I I would bet if Tuit played hell, even if it was just Alu Alu, I bet they'd be in the middle of the pack this year. I don't think they'd be that good at it, but I think they'd be no, 15, they, 16 in they the league. Still they'd be some, solid at it. Right. It, the injuries really hurt them more than anything in that in that aspect. Yes, you know. Uh, I again, people don't understand because here's the thing about it: in modern day football. 
because of all the sub packages that you run based on what the personnel groupings of the offense are. You know, the the nose tackle has become a diminished role. Yeah. All right. The guy that plays nose tackle had better be able to play three te- technique in today's ball. Alu alu. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things that made him so good at the nose tackle was he had three technique ability. He had that ability to pass rush, but he was so good with his hands, and he was so freaking strong. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the thing about it. He could hold the point. Let me tell you something, man. He could have, I don't know, if, 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 if you got a steamship coming in, I think he could lock out on it. He could stop it. it. He, he could, could you know, it yeah, yeah, just lock out on it. Yeah. You got some big barge come, come cruising in on the Mon, you know, by the wharf. Okay, hey, Tyson, get out there. Yeah, Go just, lock it just out. Just yeah. lock out on it, would you please? <laughs> If they can come back healthy next year and Tuit can come back, uh, heading into 2021, we speculated with those three guys it'd be the best defensive line in football, or at least one of the best defensive lines in football. So they're a year older. Alualu's coming off of an injury. Tuit's coming off of probably the toughest year mentally he's ever had in his life. A lot of what-ifs go into those two, but if they come back and are even somewhat of themselves, that rush defense will fix itself next year. No question in my mind. As long as they stay healthy, of course, and you get some more depth in behind them. No question. Chris Wormley would have been a nice guy to come in, a couple snaps, 10 snaps, 12 snaps a game, give you a blow. But when you have to overextend his time to 20, 30, 40 snaps a game, you're just putting him in a bad position for himself. Well, more than that, it's not stuff to it. Yeah. You see, the He's point just is not that guy. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. In limited roles, like I said, I would rather him have him subbing than starting. He can you know? make a Steph to it play every once in a while. Oh, absolutely. But it's not going to be consistent. But he's, yes, he's not the answer like Steph to it is. The problem is when you look at what you had and then what you got, and I, this is not to put down Chris Wormley, this is to make you understand that Stefan to it was just that good. You know what I mean? Yes. You talk about a guy that was 6'6 and, you know, three. 320 and this guy moved in such a athletic fashion i mean he had he this guy it was quick twitch you know that big uh is that's something that's this that what he brought to the dance was not just the pass rush it was his run defense and it wasn't just his run defense it was the pass rush he brought all those elements together at a high level you're talking about 11 sacks when he was last in there and he i can tell you uh, truthfully um in my mind, that was scratching the surface. I thought he was a 10 to 15 sack guy uh, just about each and every year if he stayed healthy, if he could reach those levels mm-hmm. that he was capable of. You know, because when he was in those positions, Tom, of coming along, like there's a time you're, you're on a three technique, and you know by down distance and personnel groupings, all right, you know what, something's going on here that I recognize. And it might be, you know, the the outside zone, inside zone. I can go from a three outside this guy's shoulder across his face. I can bust it up. I know what's coming. And that's just that samurai yeah. sixth sense, you know, that you got from playing year over the years. Yeah, no question about it. You can't replace that kind of stuff. You know, players are just wired that Those way. Those are game brains. Because they're the they're the top tier players in the league. So you can't right. you can't replace that kind of football IQ just off the free agency pile or just off of especially in a rookie draft, because those guys aren't going to have that kind of mental fortitude yet. So, yeah, I completely agree with you on that part. All right, we're going to break. You're in the locker room with Wolf Ninja Tom and Jacob Ninja Jacob is dialing. <laughs> yeah, he's he's lurking in the shadows somewhere. Always beware of the They ninjas. like to do that. The yeah, that's what ninjas do. We'll be back <laughs> after this.
This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Yeah, it's Wolf and Ninja Tom. In the locker room. Baby. Amen, on baby. Friday. We keep rolling, and uh, this is one of my favorite times of the week because a great friend coming in the locker room is none other than the big G himself, Bruce Gradkowski, former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Big G, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> oh, doing great, doing great. Uh, you're the perfect person to bring on, Bruce, to talk about this because uh, we're talking quarterback. We're going to be talking quarterback all off season long. Uh, Mason Rudolph probably going to be the guy this year. At least that's what I think the writing on the wall says. I'm curious on your opinion. How valuable is it for him to get that first full off season, mini camps, training camps under his belt, preseason games? As the starter, there, there's got to be a lot more value to that than him just, you know, being a backup for this entire career to this point. Well, I think I think the value right now comes from knowing there's an opportunity to be the starter. You know, when mm-hmm. when Ben's still there, it's it's just hard because you you're not the guy. You right. know, you're not the guy. You know, you're only going to play if if something happens, and you know, and you don't want anything to happen because if you're playing, that's <laughs> that's not good for your team. So this is just a different mindset. You know, even when I was a backup, it, it's hard in a sense. You want to be the guy on the field, but you know there's really no chance. And Mason knew that for his whole career in Pittsburgh, that there's no chance. And now it's like the light has shone. The, the light bulb has gone on. The doors have opened. It's like, wow, I have a legit opportunity now to be the guy here. And it's not going to be handed to him. I mean, I, I'm sure – if it's not just the quarterbacks they have now, but other guys they bring in to compete, you know, because if I'm the Steelers, you have to do everything you can to figure out what what's your next move, who's your best guy. And, and honestly, the coaches in that locker room, they know. They've seen the work that these guys have been putting in. They know who kind of maybe, maybe we lean this way with an acquisition of this guy or this and that. But I think it, it all starts with just knowing the possibilities out there and the doors open for you now. All you ask for as a player, all you ask for as a player, is for an opportunity. And you know, Mason Rudolph's given an opportunity right now to compete for the job. You know, Bruce, I think you're spot on, buddy, as usual. And the thing about it is, when I when, when Tom and I were kind of kicking around, really, the very first question you got to answer is, if you back it up just a hair, are you going to stick with a Mason Dwayne Haskins, you know, battle? Or are you going to add a third guy to that tri- to a trifecta of it, right? Or are you going to go draft yeah, and then yeah. you know? I mean, it's to me to, to ask these guys to do what Ben does is that's crazy, it's foolish. Yes. Yeah, it's it's to me you can't decide offensively what you want to do until you decide how you're going to compete the quarterback's position. Yeah, and and I think you know it is foolish to think you're going to have someone step in and be Big Ben, you know. But what you do want that quarterback to do is execute your offense. And I think this is a great opportunity for Matt Canada now to show how good of a coach he is, how good of an offensive coordinator is he to put these quarterbacks in position now to be successful. I see it so much around the league of just good play callers, good schematic designs to put their offense in favorable plays and stay ahead of the chains and move the football and and honestly, that's what you want in your quarterback position. You want a guy that can manage the game. You know, we, I know we give guys a hard time when we say he's a game manager, but at the end of the day, 
That's what you want. You want a guy that makes good decisions, puts the ball where it's supposed to go. He's going to make a play here or there when we ask him to. But at the end of the day, it's a team effort, and we want to win and lose as a team. And I think that's always been the Steelers' motto, but I think it's going to be even more prevalent now with the big man, you know, selling off in the sunset. If the quarterback position is the first box you have to check off this offseason, and, and it is, what would be the second one in your mind? What position group, other than quarterback, do you think needs to be improved the most? Well, I, I think the offensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. just we're talking about the quarterback. The, o, the, the O-line leads leads the way. I mean, right. and I'm not saying they don't have the talent or the guys, but playing offensive line, you, you know, you got to be working in, in unison. you got to be working as one. And at times you don't see that, whether it's communication issues, whether it's just, you know, someone not doing their job. And that's what's been frustrating at times. So I think the offensive line needs to, needs to play better. Uh, they have to figure that out. Um, you know, they, they can use um, another receiver here or there. And, and I'm an offensive guy, so I always kind of lean that route at first. And it's funny because <laughs> we joke with you know, when you're a player and you watch how your team drafts, you're always interested in what you do. Oh, we want defense? Like, but, hey, if it's a defensive stud, you love it, you know. So, um, I, you know, I don't think the Steelers are far off, but they do need to keep a few key pieces um, going into this next season. Bruce, one of the guys that I think the Steelers ought to make a good charge at, at re-signing is Juju. Yeah. And I, I, let me ask you, contrast the playing style or what Juju brings to the dance versus Deontay, all right, because that, people are talking about Deontay, yeah. and Deontay had a great year. You know, I mean, you're talking 100 and over 100 catches, near 1,200 yards in, in receiving yardage and so forth. But, you know, he's coming up on a, on a time when are you going to put number one wide receiver money towards him, and yet he keeps now and then he's got these little relapse things going on. So, But right. regardless, contrast, if you will, for me, Juju and Deontay. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both different receivers, you know. I mean, Juju's your guy in the middle of the field that you trust on third downs. That's a big body guy, you know, confident in the middle of the field, going to make those tough contested catches. And Deontay is a quick, shifty receiver that can separate versus man to man and that can get open, you know. And I'm not saying Juju can't, but they're just built different. You mm-hmm. know, they they have different strong points of their game. You know, Deontay's more quick twitch. He could separate. He he's got that ability. And Juju is strong, big, middle of the field, going to run good routes. He's, he's going to get open and just be a guy that you trust, and he's going to catch the football. So I, I just – I think they're different, right? So um, when it comes down to it, it's tough. I mean, Deontay knows. I mean, he knows he's got to catch the ball, and he's got to be consistent with it. And a lot of receivers, the issue with drops, drops, it's not because they have bad hands. It's concentration. Mm-hmm. You know, it's – it's trying to run before you catch it, trying to worry about where you're at on the field, worry about the sticks, worry about the out-of-bounds, worrying about the defender about to hit you. You know, so much more is involved than just does he have good hands or not. So Deontay can get it done. He's, he's proven to be able to get it done, but he's just got to continue to be more consistent if he wants that big type money that, you know, a team's willing to, to pay for it. Sticking with the receiver room real quick, where are you with Chase Claypool right now? Because the guy's got all the ability in the world. He's so physically dominating. It just hasn't really been able to have it click yet for him at the NFL level. You still have a lot of confidence in him, or are you starting to wane a little bit? No, I, I have confidence in him because he does. He has all the ability. 
I think all these receivers are continuing to grow mm-hmm. in their career. They're still young. They're still developing. I think Chase Claypool has shown and has done some remarkable things. And now, honestly, this offseason, going into the next year, they really need to dive in on the details. I mean, that's what this offense needs. It's almost like it needs a boot camp. It needs mm-hmm. quarterback school. It needs, you know, just a, a, a dive in at the details of each route, each concept, the footwork the offense line, to communicate. They need everything as far as diving deep in the details and everyone being on the same page. And I think with a good offseason like that, you'll see tremendous growth from these young wide receivers. And But that's what they need because at times, you know, the details matter and the details are why a ball falls incomplete or gets intercepted or, you know, a blitz pickup doesn't happen. And, you know, it's, it's the attention to details. And I'd like to see that the offense as a whole get better at that. Bruce, I know you got to go, and I so appreciate your time, but I got to ask you one more question because one of the most promising areas I think that developed later through the year is the two tight end concept of having Pat Fryermuth and Zach Gentry, yes. you know, the Muth and the 612. I love it. You got to yeah. be able to script some stuff together like Gronk and Hernandez, you know, back in the day. So just give yeah. me a quick synopsis, and I know you got to go, my friend. No, yeah, I always pre- appreciate being on with you guys. You know, you guys are the best, Wolf. And uh, But, you know, the two tight ends, and when you have those guys, man, your offense can do a lot because you talk about just having numbers in the running game, then also you shift, you motion. Now you got some numbers in the passing game. So you could do a lot of things with the two tight ends because a lot of times defenses, they'll have to line up in a single high uh, coverage which gives you the seams, which gives you some throws that are favorable to the offense and to the quarterback. So I love attacking a defense that way. It's just hard to find two studs that way. So if the Steelers could t- can, can continue to build in that direction, you know, then you're not as, as much. I mean, yeah, you need your receivers to step up and do their job. But, man, we saw it all those years with two good, solid tight ends. Um, and, and I just kind of love offenses like that. The Rams do it a lot. They've done it in the past. And, you know, I, I think it does give an offense an advantage because you could go multiple ways of, you know, scripting plays and, and having plays and audibles and so forth, depending on the coverage. So I'd love that route as these guys continue to develop. And Firemuth, you, you see, he, I mean, if I'm a quarterback, you know, right now with the Steelers, I mean, that's my guy, you know. Yeah. I have confidence, like, he's going to make plays for me. And um, and you definitely have to build around that. and. And then I think it you know, comes down to continuing to be on top of those details and keep building around what they have as you kind of acquire and uh, uh, put in more pieces through the draft, free agency, and things of that sort. Oh, that's a great synopsis, brother. Bruce, I love you, bro. Thank you for checking in all season long. Just love having you around, love talking with you. Appreciate your kindness and coming on, man. Yeah, I love you too, brother. You guys have a good weekend. All right, too, take Bruce. care, man. Thank you so much. All right. So glad you brought up the tight end thing at the end there. Well, you're so right about the double tights. Oh. Uh, Fryermuth and Gentry have been just a revelation. Gentry more than Fryermuth because we knew Fryermuth was going to get a lot of playing time this year, and I think we kind of expected him to maybe usurp Ebron's role heading into the season, and it worked yep. out that way. 
But we just didn't know that Gentry was going to come on like he has. Not just in the blocking wolf, but he cut some big passes down. He did. I actually think, this is a little trivia and I could be completely wrong, I think one of Ben's last completions, or maybe his last completion ever, was to Zach Gentry. I can't remember, but I know he completed a couple. I think he did. But here's the point. Um, When you've got two studs like that, one of the things that I love is you put two tight ends on one side Mm -hmm. and you run these, these, you script these route combinations, these trees, where you can do things and you 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 put some linebackers or some safeties in a real position to be conflicted, right? Because if you run up the seam with the six twelve, that's a high catch radius. If you at the same time have a Fryermuth coming across and running an in route, well, on the same side as that that seam route, now you're putting the linebackers and everybody else in conflict, and it's a great opportunity because. Underneath, you got this wide catch radius. Over the top, you have this high catch radius. The two of them together really, in my mind, can be exploited for some pretty good plays, I think, some big yardage. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things, you, you know, you're like, oh, man, you're cooking with some gas now. You know, you got that opportunity. And the fact is, Zach is a pretty dominant blocker for a tight end. Yeah. Does a nice job. And Fryermuth, who I – for whatever reason, I thought was a better blocker than he was when he got here, became a much better blocker like I thought he was after he got here. Yes. He's, he's gotten better. I don't know if I said that right, but no, he got said better. It yeah, he got better. <laughs> he got better at that as he got to the professional level, got some professional coaching about it. Trivia question is Zach Gentry. He did catch Ben's last career pass. Did he really? NFL, yeah. How cool so is that? So that's funny for, for Gench, but... With Fryermuth too, we saw Gentry's transformation and even Kevin Raider's transformation in the offseason. Those guys both put on a ton of poundage. Wait until you see Fryermuth come into camp this year. I guarantee you number 88 is going to look like a completely different person with an offseason of weight training and under with professionals Absolutely. helping him get that weight up. But let me tell you, you just mentioned somebody else that's important. Kevin Raider. You know, some uh, he'll be the, back. Yeah. Some of the hidden vigorish in that tight end room was the fact when they came out of training camp, and I can't say because I couldn't watch practice during the year, you know, and, and watch these guys. They used to have uh, post-practice on Wednesdays. They go live mm-hmm. with the defensive line, and that's when they really worked on their blocking skills. But coming out of training camp, Raider was the best blocking huge, of yeah. all three of them. And I'm telling you what, you can do some things with 13 personnel. Those three are set. That tight end room is solid. Frymouth, Gentry, Raider. Ebron, free agent. Thank you for the memories, but Absolutely. you're going to be too expensive, and you really yeah. didn't produce that much this year. So, And you were injured towards the end of the year, right. so time to move on from yeah. him. But those three are a really solid tight end room. All right, we're going to go to break. we got more coming at you in the locker room. you got me and you got Ninja Tom. Jacob's out there lurking somewhere. somewhere. We'll be back. <laughs> is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Ninja Tom and me, Greg Wolfley, along with Ninja Jacob in the shadows. working. We're going to go right to the phones because Sarcastic Sword from Parts Unknown is hanging out. Sword, how you doing, my friend? And, uh... Thanks to you and Tom. Great analysis so far of uh, the team, the situation we're in. Real, real interesting to listen to you guys. Hey, uh, before Ben fades away, I was thinking, trying to put him in perspective as far as, you know, historic quarterbacks go. And, you know, he wasn't the best passer per se, but 
there's if there was a uh, a column in the statistics with the acronym of G E P C, which would stand for grabbed, escaped, passed, <laughs> complete. I think that is where his niche was. I think uh, uh, historically, I don't know if there's a quarterback with that longevity that did that so well for so long. He. It's not that his pass downfield is anything great. It's good. He's a great, I mean, he's a good throwing quarterback. The fact he had the ability to stabilize himself and get that pass off, that, that was Ben's main talent, I believe. And that's unfortunately a statistic that's not kept, but that's where Ben, uh, I think, made his, made his mark in history. That and his, his physical size, I, I really don't think most people, unless you were standing beside him in uniform, realize how big that guy is and right. and uh him being that big and that agile for at least half of his career at least 10 13 years that's that's where his skill was and and god bless him uh i, I, I you can't separate his football from the man i think in general uh, uh you know i i believe in a guy improving himself and what he ended up compared to where he started his first five years, I think was a great tribute to the guy and his redemption. And uh, he didn't seek the spotlight ever. You don't see him on commercials or giving speeches. He goes home. He's, he seems like a great family man. His charities he keeps, you know, to himself, and he doesn't advertise. But I think just a, a great guy to have here. We were lucky to have him, and God bless him, and we'll miss him. Uh, as far as your analysis goes, uh, yeah, start, you know, you're mentioning to it and a Lou. Uh, I think the Steelers would have been right into things with those guys. To it, maybe the fastest 320-pound uh, lineman in the league, right up there, if not. Mm-hmm. And his lateral mobility is what separated him from, from, from most uh, defensive linemen. And without that, and a Lou to go with that, it, it it exposed our, our inside linebackers, and that's where a lot of the problems all year were. Uh, with those two guys up front healthy, you, we wouldn't have been talking, I don't think, as much about the long-running games other teams put on us or the, 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 the problems of the inside linebackers, although they're there. But it wouldn't have been exposed as it was with those guys missing. I think we have enough athletes in the defensive backfield uh, you know, if we can keep Mika and 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 and, uh, and 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 Hayden come back with Sutton and Pierce and Witherspoon, and, uh, you got to sign Witherspoon back too. I think, I think he's earned himself back. I agree. I agree, Tom. I, but I think we have enough athletes back there to sort out and use if we could get the front three corrected uh, on on defense and quickly on offense. Um, yeah, the tight end thing is great. I, I think the quarterback choice is going to rely a lot on, uh, this is what the big question to me is if Harris is going to be 40% of the offense, half of the quarterback's job is handing off to Harris. So you don't need a, a quarterback that's mobile or a long passer or whatever. If your if your basis of offense is Harris, if you're going to, uh, uh, and, and I think, uh, 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 Rudolph's capable, you know, handing the ball off to Harris for half the game. But that's where the the question mark is going to come. How much you're going to use Harris uh, in relationship to the to the whole offense as it was this year? He was he was almost forty percent of it. So his use is going to be a big factor in what you're going to be looking for 
uh, in a quarterback. And, and that's, I think that's going to be the biggest question mark we have going down the road here. I think that's great and, analysis there, Sword. I will say this. Well, you know, think about this, all right? You got Najee. got to put Najee in the position that I think he can excel at best. And some of that has to do with a fullback. Some of that's got to do with the 12 personnel. Some of that's got to do with, you know, being able to run him downhill more than, you know, the, the spread stuff. I, I just I do believe this guy has got some power-packed punch in him that he can push some line, yeah. lines of scrimmage, man. Every time Derek Watt has gotten in to do that, he's made good plays. Uh, the Browns touchdown run that Najee had, that was a Derek Watt yeah. block that freed him to right. get on that run. And Watt makes great plays on special teams. Probably the best special teams player in the NFL, if we're being quite honest. I, I think I, it was weird because at the beginning of the year, all got to put more Watt in. Why don't we put more Derek Watt in? Blah, blah, blah. Well, more so cowbell. Right? Got to have cowbell, baby. At first, baby. I'm kind of like, oh, enough with this already. It's 2022. The fullback doesn't matter. But they're right. It does. He needs to play right. more because yeah. he helps the running game so much. I agree, Tom. I think Harris... His, his his talent is between the tackles. I yes. really don't think when he heads laterally, he really has the cut-up field speed uh, of most backs. I think his his the force that he has is to be used between the tackles. And, and what would complement that, I agree, is a, is a good fullback. Whether or not what is worth what we're paying him. Right now, at practice, he's over there with Danny Smith, and his practice consists of heads. Yeah. Do it again. Tails, do it again. They're practicing the coin. That's his whole practice, for God's sake. Uh, either use the guy or get rid of him and use the money elsewhere. And, and inside linebackers for the run, I mean, I hope they hang on to Spillane. Bush, give him another year, I guess. He's an average inside linebacker without his speed. His main attribute and why we got him here and why we drafted him was his lateral speed, which was beyond belief. That's gone. At the moment, he's a step behind that. If he's able to recoup that mentally and physically and become what he was when we drafted him, keep him and he could be an all pro. As he is, he's an average He's an average linebacker, especially in pass coverage. And Spillane's just a step behind the tight ends as far as pass coverage. So that, that inside linebacker position, I think, uh, is, is a, a place of need, whether it comes from our bench. There are some good athletes there. I always use James Harrison. It took him three, four, five years to become what he was. Right. We got some good athletic guys on the bench there that may turn out to be, you know, very, very good inside linebackers. But uh, the quarterback situation slash Harris is going to be where I think the problem, uh, the biggest problem is. And, and Kevin Colbert's got his hands full with all these pieces to try and sort that out raw and put it together. Hey, hey, hey Wolf, I'm closing the book. It's called uh, <laughs> uh, Steelers 21-22. And as we speak, I'm putting it up on the shelf there with the other years and Indeed. Gotta pull down and start another novel uh, later in the year here. It's, Take care, you guys. Appreciate your analysis. It's really en enjoy listening to you guys, uh, and thanks for letting me in. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure to have the sarcastic sword in. One thing I'd say about the inside linebackers too: don't sleep on young Mister Buddy Johnson. Getting getting some more run next year. You know what? He's starting great to pick point. up run at the end of this year until he got injured and they had to pull him back a bit, but. I think they like Buddy Johnson, not this year, obviously, and maybe not as a starter, but maybe to work his way into well, that Spillane role, we that backup know. role. We right. don't know. We don't know. Here, a lot of people, okay, 
Robert Splain isn't the greatest athlete, okay? Yeah. But he's, he's an RFA this year, so they got to sign him. Right. No one's going to really break the bank for him, so you should no. bring him back. No, he's a, he's, a, he's a special teams guy yeah. that you want to have. He's a guy that brings a downhill bang. He was the one guy that brought a downhill bang. I like Joe Schobert, but Joe Schobert didn't bring that downhill bang the way Splain Yeah, it's not his style. All right? Now, you, you've got some coverage issues, all right? I get you. I understand that. But, again, you you know, you're dealing right now, we were dealing with a situation where guys that, that could not hold the point, you're going to have problems. Yeah. And that's what, uh, you know, with Devin, he struggled. Hey, I'm all for giving Devin, you got another year, get that knee strong and see if you can recapture. That speed that you had. Yeah. Exactly. And that confidence. I In, in me, the, this, is, this is part of the mind thing. When I came back after knee injury, I came back um, the same year. But I remember that first practice, the first couple, you're like a cat on a hot tin roof, man. You keep picking that leg up. Anytime somebody bumps you, you just reflexively pull that. You get a little nervous at it, yeah. You do, because let me tell you, ACL, blowing out an ACL is not fun. I bet it hurts. Yeah, it it heights. I tell you, it heights. (laughs) I I can only tell you how much it heights. But um, the fact is, you've got to overcome that, and you've got to trust your training. And you got to get back in the squat rack. You got to start putting up big numbers because that's what gives you the strength. The lower back and hips and legs, that's the strength of any linebacker, of offensive, any, any player in and around the box. That's where your strength comes from. And you got to get back on the squat, the squatations there and put up some big numbers. You squat 500, yeah. 600 pounds. Don't worry about it. Your knee's going to be just fine. I really am interested in his mental uh, advancement this offseason, too, because I know this is a minor thing, but if I were him, I would tell myself I'm getting the green dot next year. I'm going to command the troops on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I was supposed to be that guy this year. They bring in Schobert, and he ends up getting the green dot as a guy we traded for right before the season started because they didn't think I was ready to do that yet. I would sit with that all offseason and say, I need to get my mind to the point where I can command these other 10 guys. I can be the quarterback of this defense because you trade up to draft the guy top 10 and he plays that middle linebacker position, you want him to be the commander out there. So I'm really interested to see if his football IQ and his mental acumen takes that leap forward as well as his physical uh, abilities. And that mental acumen, if his speed doesn't ever come back, you can make up for that by taking smarter routes to players, by being mentally better than the players you're playing against. So I think it's a big year mentally for him in this offseason. I think yeah, I think that's pretty good analysis there, bud. I mean, look at it. Ray Lewis made a 17-year career out of it, not just being great. Now that's a commander but, right there. Right, but one of the things he was so good at, he would beat the offensive lineman to the point of contact. All, all the right? time. He'd read and react. His C-do was so tremendous. And that's you how you see make- it, then you do it. And Ray you know, Lewis was a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. But that's how you make up for maybe a lack of athleticism. But he wasn't a phenomenal smarter. athlete in years 14, 15, 16, 17. he was smarter 17. than everybody else. Exactly. He understood the game, and he knew where he had to be. And, and all those things, that's what I call game brains. That's when you start. Yes. When I started off, as, as I always say, when I started off as a young buck, I didn't know a twist from a blitz, from a three me to you, you know, whatever, ever blitzes and stuff. I didn't know it. But I was strong enough and I was quick enough. Uh, that I could I could react and make be able up to for that. make yeah. up for. You know, when I when I came, you know, in my year 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, start okay, losing a little bit. You lose <laughs> all that, right? But coming out of the huddle, you look at the guys, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got the game plan in your head, you have the scouting report right in your head, you got the 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 visual in front of you. You know who you're playing against, you understand. 
You can smell that stuff coming out. You know out of what that. he's going to do before oh. he even knows what he's going to do. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it's just the nature of the game. Yeah. And so, all right, that's the hour one. We've got hour two coming wow, up. Hour one already. In yeah, the I know. Really? Flying Isn't that amazing? By. I wish, you know what? We need a little snackeration. You know, that would have been. chips in the break room. Uh, a little Cheeto, a little, little Lay's. Cheetos, yeah. Donuts would be great. Oh, that would be. You know, you get the cheese that dip lasts. Dip it in like, my coffee. Uh, oh. You get the dip with the cheese and it, it lasts like 25 years, <laughs> you know, in those canisters. All right. We'll be back with more right here in the locker room. It's Wolf and Ninja Tom and Ninja Jacob. We're going at it and having a ball. Be back after this.